0: In our gospel reading from Matthew 4, very fitting, very fitting reading for this first Sunday in Lent as we look at our Lord's uh, 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, today we pray as your church, open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Speak, O Lord, for your servants listen. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this place be acceptable in your sight, for we cry out to you, O Lord, our only rock and our only redeemer. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, again, a, a very fitting passage today for this first Sunday in Lent, and I want to look at some uh, simple truths about what we can learn about this gospel passage of the Lord of the Lord being tempted in in the wilderness. And there are, I think, I have um, I have four things here that we we need to look at, or I'd like us to look at this morning. And the first of these, the first of these things that we learn from our gospel passage today is that life is to be understood as an arena of spiritual conflict. That's how life is to be understood. Scripture is very, very clear about this. From Genesis 1 and the serpent in the garden to Revelation 12 and the dragon and his angels, the 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 ancient serpent who has come down in great wrath as as the, the writer to Revelation says, to the major writers of the New Testament, they all describe life in terms of a great war against spiritual wickedness. That's what life is about, this arena of conflict. And they know, all of them, that the fundamental problem in life is not economic. It's not corrupt politicians in Ottawa. It's not uh, various injustices around the globe. It's not lack of education, but rather the fundamental problem of this life, as John the apostle puts it, is that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's the fundamental problem, and that's how we are to understand life. And Jesus Christ, at the beginning of his ministry, the very, very beginning, this is the arena into which he enters. It starts here with the prince of the power of the air, the one under whom, under whom um, the world struggles. And part of the devil's scheme is to wipe this from our minds and from our hearts. Part of the devil's schemes is to wipe his control over the globe, granted God's sovereignty. Yes, we believe that, but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And part of the devil's scheme is to wipe that from our mind and to wipe God's narrative from us. And some of you might remember these lyrics from the 1980s. My job keeps getting easier as day slips into day. The magazines, the newspapers print every word I say. The world is just my spinning top. It's all like child's play since no one believes in me anymore, sang Keith Green. And we impoverish ourselves when we let slip from our minds God's narrative of this life, and that narrative says, that life is a pitched battle. Life is a fierce battle, and it calls for soldiers, soldiers of mind and soldiers of heart, as good soldiers of Christ Jesus do not get entangled in civilian pursuits. That's the first thing that that we learn from our passage today. Life is about this spiritual conflict. Secondly, We learn today that Jesus Christ is the new Israel. Here in the wilderness, Jesus Christ is accomplishing everything that Israel failed to do in the first place. This is a new exodus, and this is a new Israel. And as Israel came out of Egypt and went through the waters and into the wilderness, so Jesus came out of Egypt, and he goes through the waters of baptism, and he goes into the wilderness to be tested. And the testing here is done by God, even as the testing in Israel's day was done by God. The devil is the instrument, but Jesus is driven here by the Spirit to be tested by God. And where Israel fails, time and again in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining and uh, fighting against God, Jesus succeeds and Jesus is ruled by the word of God. Jesus' victory in the wilderness, Jesus' steadfastness to God in the wilderness, Jesus being tested by God and being found perfectly righteousness is profoundly for you and it's profoundly for me. In Christ alone, we are tested and we are found true. And like I've said already, most of us already, if you're like me, you've failed miserably in your Lenten disciplines. (laughs) But Christ is tested and he's true. And this is why the litany "Are the litany of the Book of Common Prayer, by your baptism, fasting, and by your temptation, good Lord, deliver us. Our fasting can't deliver us this Lent. Our fasting can't do it. His fasting can. And that's, that's worth remembering as a church. Jesus Christ is the true Israel. And he's is leading us to the true Jerusalem and to the true promised land. Matthew wants us to know today. Thirdly, the temptation of Jesus points us to the scriptural goal of an individual being ruled by the word of God. What the Lord wants for his people, all of us, is to be ruled by God's word, our desires ruled by his narrative, our minds ruled by his story, not by the competing narratives of the world and the competing stories of the world. Calvin has a lovely phrase here, he prays this often. He says, hemmed in by the mountains of your word, hemmed in by the mountains of your word let us be encircled by the mountains of your word so that we can't get out we can't go anywhere else that's god's goal and it's very hard to get there you know even the disciples demonstrate this the obstinacy of the disciples against the word you remember when jesus broaches the topic of divorce very touchy subject in today's culture and he talks about divorce and, and God's plan. and the, the Pharisees had come to him to test him and said, what about divorce? And Jesus says, well, you know God's story. You know the scriptures, how it was at the beginning. A man and his wife, and they should not be separated. That's God's plan. And Jesus says, unless it's for adultery, there's no divorce permitted in God's sight. Well, Jesus now declares God's narrative. He declares God's rules. God's story. and you remember what the disciples say? It's so striking how they respond to them, well, this is how it is. Well if this is how the Lord expects a man and a woman to be together, they say, it's better not to marry. I mean, the disciples flatly reject Jesus teaching on marriage, if that's how it is. In the midst of this temptation, Jesus proves himself otherwise. He proves himself to be a man who's completely mastered by the word. And again and again, in response to the devil's temptation, he quotes one book. It's his favorite book. It's the book that Jesus quotes most often. He quotes the book of Deuteronomy. And by the way, if you're looking for a good Lenten discipline, read the book of Deuteronomy. It was his favorite book. It's where his heart goes in these moments. He quotes Deuteronomy again and again. And brothers and sisters, God wants you to be ruled by his word. He wants you to be hemmed in by the mountains of his word. And you cannot, as I, we, you know, we looked at a, a couple Sundays ago, growth only comes by the seed. You cannot grow without it. It's just the seed that makes you grow. And you cannot risk one day without reading his word. You cannot risk it. We must be ruled by the word not the world story but God's story not Hollywood story not Netflix's story but the story of the gospel of ruin and fall of darkness and light of sin and grace heaven and hell law and promise redemption and everlasting life. This story washing over us, washing over us, washing over us every day. That's God's plan for us. These things are to dominate and rule our hearts and our minds every day and every hour. Fourthly, this episode in the wilderness shows us the devil attacks God's people in three distinct ways. First of all, he attacks their appetites. The devil, by the way, isn't tempting Jesus here to doubt himself. When he's saying, if you're the son of God, he's not making him doubt whether or not he is the son of God. That much is clear. It was proclaimed to him at the baptism with a very loud voice. This is my beloved son. He knows better than uh, than to tempt Jesus with his identity. But the temptation here... It's to tempt him to a sense of privilege. Well, if you're God's son, you shouldn't have to suffer want and privation like this. If you're God's son, you shouldn't have to suffer hunger like this. You should be somehow above this in your ennobled state. And the devil does the same to us. He tempts us with a sense of entitlement. He tempts us with a sense of entitlement. If we're God's children... If we're the king's kids, then we should have it all. And that's just the prosperity gospel. That's just, you should have it all. We should never have to deny ourselves. We should never have to suffer want. You see, Jesus responds to this temptation to privilege and to entitlement with the priority of the word. What's most important in life is God's word. What's most important is obeying God's word. That has priority. And what is secondary in life are my appetites for earthly things. And privation of the secondary things may be necessary for gaining the primary things, which is hearing the word of God and obeying it. And the devil is very, very good at coming to you and coming to me and confusing this Uh, confusing us on this point about primary and secondary things. But the truth is that even where the devil tempts us to doubt the value of privation, you shouldn't be deprived, you shouldn't be poor, you shouldn't be troubled, you shouldn't be in conflict, even though the devil does it. The truth is that the valley is often the place of seeing and of sight. And poverty often gives way to the true riches. He tempts us in this area of our appetites into privilege and to entitlement. Secondly, he tempts God's people spiritually in relation to God. Jesus, uh, The devil tempts Jesus spiritually with respect to his relationship to God. Throw yourself down, he says. Make God catch you. Throw yourself down and make God catch you. This is about desiring a God we can predict. This is about desiring a God we can control. Remember the story of Jacob uh, wrestling with the angel at Jabbok. Ostensibly, Jacob is wrestling with God himself somehow in in some mysterious incarnation of, pre-incarnation of Christ. He's wrestling with the angel, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And we often read this as a man controlling God. I won't let you go until you bless me. But you remember what happens at the end where, where Jacob asks ask the angel his name. What is your name? In ancient world, knowing someone's name was a way to control them. Knowing someone's name was a way to have power over them. And the angel responds to Jacob, why do you want to know my name? He never gives up his name. What does he do? Instead, he names Jacob. He has control over him. God will not be controlled. We must not put God in any place where we expect him to do something for us. He's not a slot machine. We don't pull that lever. And any kind of theology which puts God at our bidding is falling into this temptation of the devil. And Jesus answers quite, quite clearly here, I will not be that kind of man who thinks he can control God. Do not tempt God the Lord your God. God is never an object that we can manipulate or put him into a position where he will do what we say. He is not that kind of God. Thirdly, the devil tempts Jesus in view of ultimate things. This is a teleological temptation. This is a temptation about about ultimate goals. And Satan tempts Jesus with thinking of this world as his goal in life. He tempts Jesus with thinking of this world as his goal in life. Just worship me and you can have it all now. You can have all these kingdoms. And the devil does the same to us. And I think this is one of the hardest temptations to overcome. I think this is one of the hardest things for men and women and children to get their minds around that this world isn't it that these kingdoms aren't it. Hebrews 13, 14, For here we have no enduring city. For here we have no enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. World without end. Luther says this, Luther says, When the preacher begins to preach concerning another life, about which we should be concerned, And for the sake of which, we should not behave as if we wanted this story, this life, to last forever. If he preaches these things, then arguments and battles begin, the world cannot stand it. Cannot stand that kind of thinking. And the world says fiercely with Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, is not this the great Babylon that I have built? The world looks at itself, looks at its buildings, it looks at its institutions, it looks at its pyramids, and it says, is not this the, the great Babylon that I have built? And a madness of secular thinking overtakes them because of that. The church says, Babylon the great has fallen. Babylon the great Has fallen, and we look for a city whose builder and maker is God, and it's not here. It is not here. Listen to Augustine, and I'll close with this today. There is, after all, writes Augustine, there is, after all, my brothers and sisters, another life. There is, believe me, after this, another life. Spend your days preparing yourselves for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray together as your people that we would be dominated by your word, O Lord. That we would be ruled by your word, O Lord. Lord, that your story and that your narrative would master us, and not the stories of the world. We pray that the mountains of your word would hem us in, that they'd encircle us, and you would not let us out, O Lord. Day by day, O Lord, may the truth of your word wash us and sanctify us and set us free. And Lord, I thank you for today. We thank you for Jesus Christ and his temptations in the wilderness. We thank you that he is the one tested and found true. We thank you today that we are in him, tested and true.